All right, we are back with another episode of the Happy Astronaut Show. It's been a while since my last one. My last one was actually a great episode. If you haven't checked it out, it didn't get viewed by that many people. Not really sure why, because it was such a enlightening episode. I talked to the guys at Propane Fitness, so definitely check that out if you haven't heard it. But today we're going to be talking about what is an NFT. Now, I just want to say this in the beginning. If you're listening to this episode, you don't have to be in tech to understand this episode, my mom, this episode is actually based on a blog that I wrote. And my mom, after reading the blog, uh, was able to accurately describe NFTs and to show you what kind of feat that is before she would call iOS ISO. So uh, that I feel like that's a pretty good standard for being able to describe complex ideas into their most basic forms. What I'm going to do is I want to start by talking about why I wrote this blog and then why I'm doing this podcast uh, because I'm definitely not in the Web3 space or the, the NFT crypto space in a very big way. Um, and then afterwards, um, then I'm going to go through the blog. I'm going to you know read it pretty much verbatim, my What is an NFT blog on my website, happyastronaut.co. And then afterwards, I want to talk about you know the whole NFT craze, like has it died we're going to talk about the metaverse a little bit and NFTs integration into that, which you've probably heard at least a little bit of, but I definitely want to cover it. And then obviously you've probably seen cryptocurrency has hit a little bit of a downward spiral, um, leveling out a little bit, but definitely on the downward trend. And we can discuss why I think that is happening. But to begin, why I wrote this. So I wrote this blog because my business partner and I we're actually working on a NFT-related project. I created an NFT project, which you can see on my website, happyastronaut.co. I have not launched it yet, but we were building a tool for people to easily be able to launch NFT collections like the one I have on my website. I'll talk about what an NFT collection is towards the end of this episode. But what I realized, because we're, we're building this project, what I realized through trying to find some content on what is an NFT so we could put it on the blog for that project, um, that website that we were creating. I was like, man, there's really two types of of articles out there describing what an NFT is. There's like New York City publications like Wall Street Journal, Forbes, so on and so forth that are writing these writing these articles about NFTs. And you know it's some journalist who doesn't really understand tech and you know their boss told them, "Hey, there's this NFT thing happening. You know, people just sold an NFT. We need to write an article about this. Like, figure out all you can and write an article." So, some non-tech person wrote the article and tried to explain what an NFT is. They told you what the acronym meant, and that was about it. And you still feel lost at the end of it. The other side of it, people were talking about NFTs, were these tech nerds who understand the deep fundamental underpinnings of blockchain technology and smart contracts and all of these complex ideas, but can't present it in layman's terms, can't really give you some good uh, concrete real-world parallels to relate it all to. So that's sort of where this blog comes in and this podcast comes in. is trying to bridge the gap between those two things, the the super high level that leaves you in a nebulous of lack of understanding and the super deep tech stuff that is just going to have you looking into a dictionary every 30 seconds uh, and being frustrated. So that's where this blog and podcast comes in. So let's get into it. Um, if you've, I'm sure at this point, 
anybody who's listening to this episode has heard of an NFT. My mom's heard of NFTs. Joe Rogan has heard of NFTs. Your grandmother's heard of NFTs. Everybody's heard of NFTs. And it really became a big thing uh, back when Beeple, the artist, the digital artist, uh, sold his Everyday's collection uh, as an NFT for $69 million back in March of 2021. And Beeple was becoming pretty famous in the digital art scene at this point, but that whole situation really put him on the map. And what this Everyday's collection was, he has quite literally been creating a piece of art every single day for the past 14 years, I want to say. Um, so quite a lot of days. So the first 5,000 days of his Everyday's collection, he cr- put into one piece of digital art. It was a JPEG, and then he sold it as an NFT. But now at this point, you're wondering, what is an NFT? What the hell is that? And how can you get $69 million for one, especially when I just told you in this situation, it was a JPEG, right? If you go into your computer right now, you could take any one of your JPEGs, copy it, send it to a friend, and you still have a JPEG. How is how is the copying worth $69 million? Like, Couldn't I just take a picture of that, file save as, and have my own version of Beeple's Everydays? And that is where blockchain technology and all that fun stuff comes into play. But by the end of this blog, I'll tell you what an NFT is and what it stands for and what makes them so cool. But first, we need some background, right? I've, I've been hinting at some words like blockchain and crypto and all these things. But I want to talk about how the real world works. We need to talk about money. We need to talk about assets and ownership. And if you want to feel offended and feel like I'm treating you like a first grader, that's fine. You can be offended. But you'll appreciate the references I provide once we begin discussing things like blockchains, tokens, crypto assets, and cryptocurrency. All of these things have real-world parallels. All of these things are skeuomorphic, which means they just are pretty much digital representations of some real-world thing. And uh, I think it's better to have some real-world examples before we talk about the tech side of everything. So let's first talk about money. Money is just an asset that you can own, uh, that you can, sorry, money is just an asset that you can exchange for other assets. Other assets include things like your car, your house, shares of a company, and government bonds. When you use money to buy assets, the company you bought them from records them in some sort of ledger or record book. Think of your grandfather's grocery store. He probably had a wide leather-bound notebook that had rows and columns. In these rows and columns, he would put customers' names, what they purchased, and the day that they purchased that thing. If someone who was on credit... He would keep tabs of their payments and the dates those payments were made. And I know you probably don't have a grandfather that has a grocery store, and it's 2022, so even if you did, he's keeping his records in an Excel spreadsheet. Just humor me for a second. Uh, This is a quick aside, a little tangent. But I used to play this game called L.A. Noir. It was a detective game on the PlayStation where you would go around as a as a detective and go to all these people like there would be a murder that happened you'd go to all these people try to figure out you know who murdered the person and you would go into these stores and the funny thing with the stores is you go in you have to like open up their ledger look at their ledger like it would be this big like leather bound thing on their little video game you know table you'd open it up you'd go through the ledger try to find some sort of hint or clue as to the murder so that's why I brought up you know, the grandfather grocery store thing, because there was probably an old man in the grocery store in that video game, and um, that's where it's all coming from. Uh, 
But let's go back to our ridiculous example for a second of your grandfather in his grocery store. Uh, your grandfather is the only one who has access to this ledger. Of course, when the cops come in, he's going to have to show people, but he alone knows who bought what and when. It's not public knowledge. If there's a dispute, your grandfather can go into the ledger, fudge the numbers, and create whatever history of events that he wants to. If Jim from Jim's Tire and Auto Repair comes in saying he bought canned hams, but the but the bagger never put them in the cart, your grandfather, being the snake that he is, might just erase that part in the ledger that shows Jim's canned ham purchase. That way, there was never any proof that Jim bought the canned hams in the first place. I know this metaphor is starting to break down a little bit. Let's go into something a little more concrete, something very, something very 2022. Uh, something that does happen often, and I don't want to come across like I'm some socialist, um, but this does happen, um, and it happens to artists if you are an artist yourself, if you make music, you've probably heard stories like this, but let's take like a big music record label, and according to their ledger, they own rights to an artist's song, and the artist is supposed to be paid out a royalty for whenever somebody uses that song. The problem is the one who is keeping record of who's using that song is the record label, and the artist doesn't have access to the record company's ledger. The record label gets a little greedy. They want to squeeze a little more profit uh, from their highly successful artists than they should. They keep issuing the rights to the artist's songs to beer companies and headphone manufacturers to use the song in their commercials. The record company gets paid, but they never disclose the sales to that artist, therefore not having to issue a royalty that the artist is rightfully due. They can do this because their record books and their ledgers are private. They have control. The public does not have access uh, to the transaction history, and the artists get taken advantage of at the hands of the corporations. Now, again, I'm not a socialist. I'm not saying all record labels are bad. I'm not saying this is some, you know, uh, this is you know some plague that's happening, um, or that all corporations are evil. The point I'm making is that today, because of privatized ledgers, artists and other creators have a hard time monetizing their artwork efficiently and effectively. And streaming services like Spotify do little to help the cause. I think there's currently like just a handful of artists on Spotify or uh, yeah, on Spotify rather, music artists who are making more than like $50,000 a year. Um, and that's, you know, there's thousands, there's probably tens of thousands of artists on Spotify. But streaming sales make you almost no money. The question then must be, NFTs, do NFTs solve this issue of monetization? They do. And here's how. You've probably heard of a blockchain at this point, especially if you've heard of like Bitcoin. Uh, a blockchain is a ledger, just like the one your grandfather and the record company have. Except it's online, it's public, everybody has access to know who bought what and when, it's immutable, it can't be changed, and it's secure. Blockchains work by everybody having a copy of the blockchain on their computer. So when there's a transaction that happens, Right, somebody gives a Bitcoin to somebody else. Somebody sells a digital good. Every but it has to be reference checked to every single node in the network. A node just being a computer that has that blockchain that has that ledger. Since this is the case, it's immutable. It can't be changed, and it's more secure. You've probably heard of Bitcoin because I've just mentioned it a whole bunch of times. But also, if you haven't heard of Bitcoin, you've been living under a rock. Bitcoin is a cryptocurrency. Cryptocurrencies are digital dollars stored 
on the blockchain, which is that uh, digital ledger that we discussed. The Bitcoin blockchain stores information about Bitcoins. It shows who owns the Bitcoins, how many they own, when they bought them, and when they transfer them to someone else. And everybody, and everybody on that blockchain, everybody who has you know, access to the ledger, which is all the people who transact using Bitcoin, um, can see who, who owns what. It's, uh, it's public knowledge. But there are other blockchains that can store information about more things. Excuse me for a second. Ethereum, which you may have heard of, stores the Ethereum cryptocurrency. But the cool thing about the Ethereum blockchain, it's what's called a general purpose blockchain. It can also store information related to other crypto assets. Crypto assets are digital goods stored on the blockchain. Crypto assets are also called tokens. So crypto assets, tokens, same things. These can be currencies like Bitcoin and Ethereum, but they can also be anything you can imagine. MP3 files like the song from our example artist can be stored on the blockchain. JPEGs like Beeple's Everydays can be stored on the blockchain. There are governance tokens that can show membership to a group and provide the owner voting rights in that community. There are security tokens that prove ownership in a company's stock. So anything you can imagine as a good in the real world that could be a good in the digital world is an NFT, is a crypto asset, is a token. Just like the real world, there are now digital assets, these tokens you can own. And their ownership is proven by its representation on a digital ledger, the blockchain. So again, just repeating myself a little bit here so we don't get lost. Okay, now we're getting to the good part. I'm about to tell you what NFT stands for and what it means. Your patience is about to pay off. It's all about to make sense. Tokens can either be fungible or non-fungible. Fungible means that they can be replicated and added and, and traded rather for an identical item. So let me just say that again. Fungible means they can be replicated and traded for an identical item. U.S. dollars are fungible. If I give you a dollar in exchange for another dollar, I still have a dollar. Nothing changed. The same is true with Bitcoin. One Bitcoin is just as good as any other Bitcoin. They are identical. Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies are examples of fungible tokens. So again, just to repeat, fungible means uh, they can be replicated and traded for a one of one. Not a one of one, of one of many. So if I have a Bitcoin, I can trade it with somebody else. And it's still the same. Now, the Mona Lisa is non-fungible. The Mona Lisa is one of one. Da Vinci only painted it once. If I were to photocopy it and give it to you, you would not have the Mona Lisa. You would have a copy, which is not as good. You wouldn't be able to see the actual brushstrokes from Da Vinci's hand. And as much as we find this sort of... I'm going on a little tangent here. As much as we find this sort of arbitrary and trite, with even physical art, it might. If you already find you know physical art that way, you're really gonna find NFTs trite in the same way, but probably more so because again you're looking at a digital item. But if you think about it, Da Vinci worked really hard to paint the Mona Lisa. He spent years and years and years on it. He would carry it around with him from country to country just to keep uh, toying with it, just to keep perfecting it. So that image. And being able to see the actual brushstrokes, 
that has value. And when you get the original item from a digital artist, right? The original JPEG that they created, that they file saved, uh, the original document, that also, I think, has intrinsic value too. The person who put all that time into that piece of art and now you get to own the original copy of it, uh, as much as it's not quite the same in the real world, as you know, seeing brushstrokes on the Mona Lisa, that has value. And we'll discuss how the metaverse a little later might be able to really demonstrate an NFT's value. Um, in the, so now, okay, I, I'm sorry I have uh, not even told you what NFT stands for yet. In the same way, non-fungible tokens or NFTs are unique. They cannot be replicated or replaced by another. If I am the artist of the song mentioned previously and I store the MP3 file on the Ethereum blockchain, I can prove that I own it. I can sell it and prove who I sold it to, and they can prove that they now own it. So again, NFTs are non-fungible tokens. They're one of one, and when they're stored on the blockchain, the blockchain knows, hey, this is the only one of these that exists. Um, on this blockchain, so if it's sold, the new owner now can prove based on blockchain transaction history that they own it. If you're a digital artist and make digital art in the form of JPEGs and PNG files, like if you're a graphic artist, you can mint your own art. Minting just means you store it on the blockchain. Then you can sell it and everyone can see that that transaction did in fact happen and who the new owner is. If you think that's cool, it gets a lot better. When you mint an NFT, right, again, minting just means storing on the blockchain. So when you store an NFT on the blockchain, it generates what is called a smart contract. A smart contract is a computer program that provides certain rules for the transactions of that crypto asset. If you want to get royalties every time someone resells your art, you can write that into the contract. And that is all automated. You don't have to lift your finger. The computer, the computer literally deposits the money into your bank account every time your art is resold. You don't need to track who bought what and if your record label is being shady behind your back. So let's talk about this whole reselling thing and why this is so cool. Oftentimes, well, maybe not oftentimes, but with good art, um, one of the things that drives value is the perceived quality and also the scarcity. So let's say you have an artist like, let's say, let's pretend we're back in the 20s or 30s, and we have Picasso back in his heyday. Now, not many people knew about Picasso back then, but obviously everybody knows who Picasso is now. But let's pretend everybody wanted a Picasso back when Picasso was alive. One of the reasons you wanted a Picasso was because everybody thought Picassos were awesome. Also, you wanted a Picasso because it was scarce. It was a status symbol. You bought it because you knew that if you had it, most likely you had something that very few others had. What happens over time is these assets, these pieces of art, become more valuable. So you as the owner of that valuable thing, let's say it goes up 2x in value, you can then go resell it and then make a return on this thing that you bought because you thought it was beautiful, but you also were excited to you know, have a little bit of a status symbol. The same is now true with digital art, where it wasn't true before. If you buy an NFT on the Ethereum blockchain, you have something that is scarce and that 
if it's high quality and people think it's really cool, they will buy it from you for more than what you paid for it. But now, what about the artist? Because I could go and I could sell that Picasso all day and not tell Picasso about it, right? He doesn't need to know. And I don't have to pay him any sort of royalties on the reselling. With the blockchain, you can actually do this. You can actually resell art. But as long as the artist wrote into that smart contract, hey, I want 5% on every sale that happens with this piece of art, they get that 5%. If you want to write in certain copyright restrictions around the usage of your art, you can do that too. And it's all automated. Right? There doesn't have to be a lawyer involved. Nobody has to be signing contracts. It just happens, right? People will have to obey these restrictions. You won't have to keep a careful eye on the new owner and make sure they aren't defiling your art and then sue them in court. As an artist, thanks to NFTs, you now have control over what happens to your art. You don't need some corporation telling you what to do, and you don't need them to negotiate on your behalf. We've said a lot at this point, so let's recap. The real world has money. Money is an asset that can be exchanged for other assets like a house, car, company stock. The purchase and sale of assets is kept track of through private ledgers owned by the companies selling the goods. Companies can alter their ledgers to meet their needs, often screwing over the creators of the products and goods they sell. Again, good companies don't do this, but some companies, when power is at their disposal, uh, they can take advantage of the people that work for them. This does happen, and NFTs, fortunately, help solve this a little bit. A blockchain is a public ledger that cannot be altered. Anyone can see the transaction history of the goods being bought and sold on that blockchain. Tokens are crypto assets stored on the blockchain. Uh, they can be fungible, like cryptocurrency. They can be non-fungible, like digital art and music. Non-fungible tokens, or NFTs, have built-in smart contracts which allow the artist to dictate the future insert, future transaction rules of the art that they've created. Um, real quick, I'm just writing down a note because one thing I want to talk about at the end of this is um, one of, you you've might have heard that a very popular NFT collection, there was a recent scam around it, so I do want to talk about that because you might be thinking, oh, you know, uh, blockchains aren't secure. There was just a scam, but we will uh, we'll discuss that at the end. Um, so let's let's move on to what people are currently doing with NFTs, and then we can also discuss discuss you know sort of maybe even the future a little bit of NFTs because I don't think necessarily what's happening today is the future. We're already starting to see that decline of all the hype that was happening around NFTs, but. Just because there's a dis- decline in this current usage of NFTs does not mean that NFTs are now worthless and have no no meaning and no use. So one people one thing people are doing is selling NFTs and getting the bag. So Beeple and other very popular artists who make a lot of graphic art are creating digital art, but they don't have to rely anymore on sales of physical art, which they aren't as good at creating to make money. Nor do they have to slave away making like logo designs for companies um, just to make ends meet. Because this is the thing that a lot of people do is they're very good at creating graphic art, very cool creative stuff, but it's hard to monetize that stuff. If you're just like posting pictures of Instagram of really cool things, which is what people did for about a decade before NFTs came around, you have to do freelance work in order to supplement your income and supplement the hobby that you have, the the passion that you have, which is just creating cool stuff. Um, Artists are now creating art 
that they are uniquely qualified to create, creating a lot of it, and then selling it on the blockchain as NFTs. Beeple and more well-known artists are using traditional art houses like Sotheby's and Christie's to sell their art, their NFT art, but marketplaces like OpenSea have created NFT marketplaces where anyone can mint and sell their digital art without any need to learn to code. So this is something that's very popular. Again, I'm not necessarily sure this is like the future of NFTs, but it's definitely going to be a huge part of the ecosystem moving forward. Uh, I just think it's going to be a little bit smaller piece than it is right now, or right now these collectibles are like the biggest thing. So people are selling collectibles, and we'll talk about the Board Ape Yacht Club scam here in a moment. So another thing artists are doing is creating what is called generative art. These art collections are based on different layers that when combined, you get many different versions of a similarly styled artwork. So let's go with like CryptoPunks or Board Ape Yacht Club. If you haven't heard of these, just look them up you know, while you're listening to this. These are things that you know each one looks pretty similar, but with some clear differences. They're like trading cards, but digital art. Um, I'm cur- I currently have one. It's called the Happy Asher, and I talked about it in the beginning. Um, and pretty much what you do to create these things is you create certain components, like you'll create you know the body of the character, the head of the character, the background, and maybe like a shirt. And then you make the shirt a different color. You make the face have a different expression and a background a different color. You'll put these things into layers on Photoshop, and then based on how many different versions of each uh, layer you have, you'll get a whole bunch of different versions of the actual thing. So let's say I have three facial expressions, three different shirts, and three different background colors. I'll have 18 total different pieces of art that I can make as a collection and then sell on OpenSea. Um, If you're confused as to why these things are a big deal, I'm sure when you were a kid, you've had, like, if you were in my generation, you had Pokemon cards, or like Yu-Gi-Oh cards. Maybe you also had baseball cards. Maybe you had, if you're a, a woman, you had, you know, Barbies as a kid. And these things were all collectible, right? You, you were, especially when you had, like, a really rare Pokemon card, one that was, like, really shiny and holographic, um, and it was, like, one of a hundred. It was unique. It was rare. It was scarce. The same is true with these collections. So... You might make one of the different things. You might make one facial expression or one t-shirt color of the little character like way more rare, right? There's only like five that have this shirt or five that have this facial expression. So the same thing, if, if you're having a hard time wrapping around your, your mind around why are these like Board Ape Yacht Club and CryptoPunks so popular, why are Pokemon cards popular? It, people love collecting things and people love collecting things when they're more scarce than others. Like think of quarters, right? If you have a really rare quarter from some really rare date, the quarter's worth more than 25 cents. Um, so I'll, I'll move on now. Uh, and this was the project we were trying to create. We were trying to create a NFT art creator that was really easy to create a whole bunch of NFTs by compiling your different layers. Um, there are other products like that that actually exist in the, in the market. Uh, it's just hard to do. You mostly have to do it with coding. And so we were like, well, we could create a product. We actually did make it, um, but it, it still had too many bugs for us to really put it out, and we we're focused on other things. Um, so the last thing that's happening with these NFT art collections, right, like Board Ape Yacht Club and CryptoPunks, is people create a community around their art collection. So another pretty popular one is Cool Cats. Um, they have a pretty popular community as well. So artists are going, they're creating all this art, and then they're also creating like a Discord server 
or like a Slack channel for or Telegram, WhatsApp, you know, choose your choose your poison there. And they're putting all of the owners in this community in like a group chat uh, so that they can all talk to each other. Because they're all like-minded people with similar interests so they can all, you know, sort of be friends. They can do meetups and all that sort of thing. So owning the asset, um, and you can prove that you own it through the blockchain, um, gives you access into this like exclusive like cool kids club. So that's it. That's what NFTs are. Um, but let's really quickly talk about the Board Ape Yacht Club scam. We'll talk about the NFT craze and has it died. I think that'll be a good little segue. Um, we do have to talk about the metaverse very briefly, and then we can talk about what's going on with cryptocurrency as well. So, the Board Ape Yacht Club. So, Board Ape Yacht Club, like I said, is one of these NFT collections. Uh, it's ten thousand of these ape-looking characters. They're they're really cool. I mean, the artwork is fantastic. Um, but yeah, it's ten thousand of these ape characters. Some are really rare. Some are not. Um, some are worth hundreds of thousands of dollars, and I'm, I'm not joking. Go on OpenSea and search Board Ape Yacht Club, and it's pretty crazy. One person accidentally sold a Board Ape, um, the Board Ape that he owned, for $3,000, and instead of actually listing it for its going price, which was $300,000, so I, you can definitely feel bad for that guy. Um, but yeah, so it's just this collection of apes, and I think there was like a... a I want to say the total was like 12 or 15 apes got stolen and it was like a 1.5 million or so uh, phishing scam. So again, it was a scam. Um, it was a phishing scam. So pretty much people went out and um, you know solicited information from owners of these NFTs that gave them access to their what's called a, a wallet. Um, and they were able to pretty much steal the uh, NFTs from them. The The scam itself has nothing to do with the security of the blockchain. It has everything to do with the gullibility of people. So again, this was a phishing scam. This was like somebody emailing you saying that they're a uh, you know that they're a uh, a Nigerian prince and they need your credit card number in order to save. Um, you know, millions of people or whatever it is, you know, those, those old crazy Nigerian print scams. That's what that was. So there's a whole bunch of people getting, you know, sketchy emails from people giving up what's called their, uh, um, sorry, their, their private keys, which is like their access to their, uh, NFT collections and basically getting scammed. I'm butchering some of this to try to keep it as simple as possible, but, um, yeah, so when it comes to the Board Ape scam, if you've heard of this, uh, that's what happened. So it has nothing to do with the security of the blockchain. It has everything to do with people just not being more careful. Um, it'd be like giving up your bank account password to some guy who just came up to you and just like, you know, randomly asked you for $10,000. That's kind of kind of what happened here. Um, so let's talk about the NS NFT craze and has it died. So... NFTs were like a huge thing, especially back in like the summer and fall, even the spring. You know, I think Beeple's art, like I said, sold in March of 2021. And you know, people kind of went crazy about that. And then everybody was buying NFTs. And then, you know, from there, I, I want to double check this date. Was it 2021? Yeah, March of 2021. So it kind of burned, the fire burned really hot and then sort of simmered down a little bit where you're seeing prices of these NFTs go down. 
um, because people are less interested in them at the moment. Because to be quite honest, like economic times are not the best at the at the moment, and you know people are thinking to themselves, "Well, I could either own this picture of an ape for ten thousand dollars, or I could you know fill up my my car." Um, with gas that costs too much. So maybe I'll just go with the gas. So that's what's happening right now. You know, it's definitely a small economic downturn. And in those moments, these, uh, these assets, things that are, um, you know, really, you know, disposable income things, pieces of art, games and stuff like that, they just go down in value and that's what happens. And so that's what I see is happening with the NFT craze sort of simmering down a little bit. But it doesn't mean that NFTs don't have intrinsic value. The value is hard to derive right now because there's no real framework to showcase it, right? But in the metaverse, I'm sure maybe you've heard of Neil Stevenson's Snow Crash, but obviously you know, Facebook just changed their name to Meta, so I guess I don't really need to describe what the metaverse is. When we live in a more virtual reality slash augmented reality world, NFTs now become the thing, right? If you want to decorate your virtual house with art, it's not just going to be regular art. It's going to be NFT art. And there's going to be systems of software that prove that this is a uh, a genuine piece of art and this is a non-genuine piece of art. Um, so that's where NFTs will really come into play as far as the artwork goes. Um, I think music, uh, somebody's going to create a really cool application. I, I'm actually seeing some pop up. Um, where you know music is all going to be NFT based, and hopefully uh, artists will get paid on a, on a better scale as a result of that. I'm not sure how that works in the metaverse quite as much. Obviously, like visual art, graphic art makes a lot more sense. But how music is going to make its 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 way is going to be interesting to find out. Um, and then when it comes to governance, when it comes to owning stock in a company. Uh, using NFTs as the medium for this, uh, we'll, we'll be able to cut out a lot of the middleman because you have this blockchain, this ledger, that you don't have to sign. You don't have to sign with your name. You have to sign with your, your keys, right? You have these private and public keys that you sign with. And be, as a result of this, a lot of lawyering can sort of go by the wayside. If I want to issue stock in my company to you, I don't need some sort of agreement. I can just transfer you the stock through the blockchain. You could prove that you own it, and I can prove that I gave it to you. And when you come to either exercise your options or whatever the case might be, um, you wanna you wanna get your buyout from the stock that you own. You could do that, um, and, and we don't really need lawyers to sign papers anymore in order to do so. So that's the really cool thing in the future is we're gonna see a lot of lawyering going away as a result of the blockchain NFTs. So what's going on with cryptocurrency right now? It's the same thing I just said as with the NFTs, you know, this this sort of dip in the interest in NFTs. Is there's just harder economic times and these things like Bitcoin, which definitely has real value, right? You have billions and billions of dollars going into this market uh, and really diehard believers. That's all a, a currency needs. Like the US dollar doesn't have actual value. It's just a green piece of paper. But it has a whole bunch of diehard believers. It has a, a government that props it up. So that's their only reason it has any value. It's not gold back. So cryptocurrency, Bitcoin is the same way at the moment. But the value wasn't $60,000 to most people. 
So when harder economic times came around, they were willing to sell their Bitcoin at that high price, which again, the mass sell-off just dropped the price a little bit. So I'm a big believer in cryptocurrencies. I'm a big believer in crypto assets, in tokens, and NFTs, and blockchain technology. Through doing all this research to create this blog and to make this podcast, I'm so excited to see where all this stuff goes. And I really hope that uh, for those of you who didn't really kind of understand these things, you know, maybe this podcast brought some light. Uh, feel free to message me through this app, uh, through Colin, or even like DM me on Twitter if you have any questions, or if you just want to chat. Uh, I'm down for that as well. If anything, you know, that I said in this podcast sort of caught your eye, and uh, you'd like to sort of talk in detail about it. But that's it. That's what an NFT is. Um, for those of you who are real experts and you want to come pick this apart, please do. I'd love to learn some more. And um, for the rest of you, have a uh, have a great night.